so good to be with you guys. Oh, thank you, Don, for your kind words. And uh, it's, it's just been an absolute pleasure this weekend to be up here and be part of Whangarei and to spend yesterday with the ladies and uh, to uh, get to know Don and Penny so much more and uh, to enjoy their lovely hospitality. So I told them last night that I felt that Whangarei really needs help and that probably, you know, I should stay here a bit longer and, uh, you know, just, you know, do whatever. You know, so I was thinking I should let Pastor know that I, I'm not coming back, you know. <laughs> not sure that's going to go down well. Actually, I think it's my team. My team, the corporate team, will be probably in the car on Monday coming up to fetch me back, I think. But um, anyway, so yeah, it's so good to be with you. And as Pastor Don says, uh, the team that I currently look after is uh, we look after all that nuts and boltsy stuff like finances and databases and IT systems and HR and legal, legal stuff and buildings and, you know, all of that that goes on behind the scenes. So just to, just, uh, just to saying that, because I probably refer back to that a little bit as I go along with what I want to share with you today, is that, you know, it, whatever we do, it's, it's God's ministry, whatever we do. You know, so often I think, uh, certainly as I was growing up in the church, ministry was anything to do with, with the pulpit, really, or a pastor, and it wasn't really thought about that ministry is wherever we are, whatever we do, is actually we're in God's right place and position, and God's power is available for us wherever we are, whatever we're doing. And, uh, you know, that's, a, that's an incredible thing. When you start to get that into your heart and your spirit, it just changes the way that you view your work, the way that you view your um, connections in the world around about us. We are rightly positioned in exactly the right place uh, for what God wants to do in us and through us. And uh, sometimes I have to remind myself, because when you're dealing with um, very frustrating things like databases, Pastor Don is laughing, that's my worst nightmare, is, um, you know, the only way that, seriously, that I do that kind of stuff is that I really pray and just ask, Holy Spirit, you've got to help me. You really need to help me with this. I don't even understand it half the time. But, you know, I need you. And I, I can say categorically that every single time I am absolutely amazed how the Holy Spirit comes and brings that wisdom and that guidance and that everything that you need. And I guess in a way that's really what I want to bounce off and have a talk to you about today. But before I do that, I'm just going to do a little, little um, promo because that's what speakers do, don't they? Um, one of the other things that I do is I've, I've had the... Um, I've played around with writing some books, and I was telling the woman yesterday, I've written a children's book called Joy Spring Song, which is just in the process of being reprinted, and um, then another children's book, Jose Who, and actually both of these books, are, uh, they're kind of like parables in a way, so as much as they're fun for kids, there's some other other concepts sitting in behind, and I'm sure that as uh, smart adults, you'd probably figure that one out, but Jose Who is about identity and about purpose, and it's about hose. And when the hose is connected, the hose discovers its identity and discovers its purpose. And it's actually, this came out of the New Zealand and Beyond Conference, believe it or not. I was sitting, listening to a speaker, and he was talking about the flow of the Holy Spirit. And I'm kind of thinking, flow, hose, you know. And after, the, after that conference, I took uh, a couple of days off, and I was sitting uh, down in Tairua, and I was just thinking about that hose and that concept, and the story began to revolve around, and that became Jose Ho. That when we're connected, when God connects us to himself, 
when we let him connect us, becomes a flow of life that comes through us, that begins to shape our identity, that uh, defines us and begins to show us our purpose within the world. And as Jose discovers, he's a joy bringer, a life giver, and uh, when he's connected. And so that's a a kind of cool thing and a cool picture of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Choosing to Flourish is a book um, on Ruth how in our ordinary lives we can flourish in following the story of Ruth. Actually, Joel Holmes, podcast, YouTube, he spoke in West last week and he did this great message on the book of Ruth. So I'm sitting there going, why didn't you tell us that like about two years ago? Could have got in there. But it's just a really great message on hope and I really encourage you to have a look at it. Joyce Springer's devotionals um, about thinking about our journey with God as a river as a stream and our journey through that. So those are just at the info desk if you would like them. Okay, that's all out of the way. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now that you are here, that you are present. Lord, you in fact, you are at work right now in us and through us. Father, even in the things that we can't see and the things, the prayers that we have put before you, you are working, Lord, because you work for those who wait on you. And Father, we just thank you that as you come right now, Holy Spirit, will you speak to us? Will you move amongst us this morning? Will you reveal yourself in new and fresh ways to us as your people in your wonderful name? Amen. So uh, earlier this year, I had this great um, opportunity to go to Alaska. And uh, as we were walking along uh, a coastal um, part, right in front of me, this eagle swooped down into the water, picked up the salmon, and then went up to its its ear and was eating. And I had uh, binoculars with me, and I could see everything. It was like being in a David Attenborough documentary. And it was like one of those wow moments, like, oh my gosh, wow. You know, this isn't a TV show. This is, I'm in it. You know, this is, I can see this. And of course, whenever the, the eagle, that um, great passage in Isaiah 40, just, just comes to mind. And uh, I'd like us to begin there if we can. If you've got Bibles, if you can just turn to Isaiah 40, uh, and just read, it's a very familiar passage, and I'm sure. Uh, do you not know, verse 28, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This has been a life passage for me. This, uh, right, right in the early days when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit, somebody gave me a placard with this. So I guess Holy Spirit, this verse has always been meshed in my mind. Eagles, Holy Spirit, this. But what I love about this is that those that wait on the Lord will rise up with eagles' wings. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And yet, and yet you and I would be sitting here together and saying, well, Ashley, there's times when I feel incredibly weary. There's times when I feel incredibly faint. There's some of you here that you've been on the journey for a long time, and you can think, where is God? And you can start to run out of steam. 
There's those of you that uh, have started your journey and you begin to realize the enormity of what you're on that, and the words that God has spoken to us, that we are to go into all the world. We are to be his light and his life. We are to be salt to a world that is lacking salt. And we look around us and we look at the circumstances and it seems so totally overwhelming. And walk into a classroom, I had a... Uh, I actually, when I left university, I thought I was going to be a school teacher, so I actually came here to Whangarei and did a month at Whangarei Girls as a, a trainee teacher. And, you know, I go into the classrooms and, and, uh, and to, yeah, I could tell you some stories. Uh, I, I, I mean, literally, in, in my, I was then did a relief teaching in, back in my old school. And, you know, I had kids that, that came in drunk. I had knives being thing. I had a group of kids elevating down the back of the room one time. So it was like suddenly I was in this war zone and I had no idea how to handle that. No idea whatsoever. I remember beginning a teacher and like this is like war zone. How do you how do you how do you handle this? How do you go forward into this? How do you measure ourselves up against when we look around and, then, and we look at even sometimes the state of the church? And I know that's the thing that just burns in the heart of Pastor Tuck. I mean, that's why the whole New Zealand and beyond thing is there is God. There has to be more. There's got to be more than we currently have. There has to be a great deal more. And when I read this passage, I begin to say that those who are weary, those who are faint, those who are at the end of themselves, if they wait on the Lord, they will rise up on eagles' wings. Fast forward hundreds of years from this passage into Acts chapter 1. There's a group of disciples, and Jesus is leaving them. They're like totally bewildered, perplexed. Like They have just been through the, the washing machine and not even sure they've gone into the tumble dryer yet. They've gone through this incredible experience where they've had Jesus for three years. They've seen him do amazing miracles. They've even done some of the miracles. Then the whole crucifixion and just the whole horror of that, and then see Jesus rise from the dead. So you can imagine they were like, they're all over the place. And now Jesus is telling them that he's leaving them, but he says to them, you are to go into the world and be my witnesses. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, Samaria, who goes to Samaria? Nobody wants to go to Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth, like, are you for real? Are you for real? These are the same guys that ran away. Are you for real? For real, I mean, God, have you got that sorted? So here they are, broken. They are tired. They are weary. They're emotionally stressed. And then Jesus turns around them and says, but go and wait. And then you will receive power from on high. So they went and they waited. You know what intrigues me with the whole concept of engaging with the Holy Spirit in both of these things is this word wait, wait. When the disciples, broken, weary, tired, battered, bruised, whatever, they waited. They waited not just one day, not just two days, not just three days. They waited 10 days. They had no idea what they were waiting for, but they were listening to what Jesus had said to them, wait, and then you will be endued with power and high. And at the 10 days, cycled around, and they waited. They probably prayed. I'm sure they talked. I'm sure they tried to process that whole thing as they waited, as they prayed, as they... Um, maybe they fasted, it doesn't say. But then as that timetable ticked along, suddenly a mighty wind 
Suddenly, they rose up on eagles' wings. Suddenly, something changed and forever changed. I believe that they learned a principle in that time, that there is times and in seasons in their lives when we need to stop and we need to wait. We need to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and run underneath us, and then we can fly on eagles' wings. You know, when they were beaten and persecuted and brought before the things, they went back and they gathered together and they prayed. And they said, God, grant us boldness. They waited in the presence of God and it said and the place shook and the place shook when I read stories of revival always there's a period of, of waiting before the revival hits we can talk about it praying but I think there's a bit more there in that waiting I want to unpack that but before I do I want to share with you a prophetic word that came in 2017 to uh, Church Unlimited West it came to Pastor Tark first and then the same person turned up a little bit later and they shared that word to the church therefore if it's come to Pastor Tark it's come to all of us and I believe that God wants me to share this with you Whangarei because I believe it's a word for you it's a word for you, and I just, uh, as I was waiting on God for what I was going to do with the ladies, this word came to me, and I thought, this is for, this is for Sunday morning. So I want to unpack that word for you. The word is, hoist the sails, there's a second wind coming. I think we got a slide there. Hoist the sails, there's a second wind. Hoist the sails, there's a second wind. I wanted to declare that there's a time for us to hoist the sail because I believe the second wind is already beginning to blow. I believe that God is coming in power, that there is a second wind. And as we hoist, as we wait, we will ride that, that wind. It's kind of interesting that Logan had the concept of a boat. I was like, listening, okay, that's interesting. Because I do want to talk about a boat. I want to talk about sailing. But I want to talk about, first of all, the second wind. What is that second wind? So uh, if anybody has here been a runner, it's particularly a long-distance runner, a marathon. Has anybody ever done a marathon? There's a few down there. Okay. All right. So I am not talking from personal experience. I'm talking from my father's experience. He's been a runner all his life. He has run half marathons and marathons. And, um, you know, and so I, I quizzed him on this, and then I went to Wikipedia, as you do. All right. So let me just tell you what second wind is. When a runner is running, it's particularly a long-distance runner, but it happens in a lot of sports. It's not just running, but this is how I'm going to work it from, is that when they're running and they come to a position where they have run everything out of them, it can kick in at any point in time, and it's what happens is they then, what is known as hit the wall. Physically, mentally, emotionally, they hit the wall. Everything has gone. You know, they are exhausted, and they keep going because they have trained for hitting the wall. They know that if they can push through that wall, a second wind will kick in. And so the definition of a second wind is a phenomenon in distance running, such as marathons or road running, whereby an athlete who is out of breath and too tired to continue to to continue suddenly finds the strength to press on at top performance, at top performance with less exertion. The feeling may be similar to that of a runner's high, the most obvious difference being that the runner's high occurs after the race is over. 
Some scientists believe the second one to be a result of the body find the proper balance of oxygen to counteract the buildup of lactic acid. Others claim second ones are due to an endorphin. In other words, they actually really don't know what, why, and how that second wind will come. It's really interesting, as you read through the Bible, there's times when God brings a second word. When God brings, see, in us, we're always like first. If you're, second is no place. First is the place, but not in God's economy. Not in God's economy. Uh, Israel would have the former reign and the latter reign, the first reign and the latter reign, the second reign. The second reign was always greater than the first reign. So there's a principle that when God speaks, not just the first time, but he speaks a second time, there's a greater power for the second time. There's a greater emphasis on the second time. And so God will speak, and then in Jeremiah, he goes down and says, and God spoke a second time. For Jonah, he heard the first time, he disobeyed, he didn't go to um, Nineveh, and then he's sitting, you know, in the thing, and it says, and the word of God came a second time to Jonah. And Jonah went to Nineveh, and the whole city turned around. So when God speaks a second time, when God blows the wind a second time, there comes a power and an energy that is greater than the former. And I just really believe that there comes a time in our Christian walk, it don't matter how long you've been on, but there's a second wind. There's a second win. When you've got to the end of yourself, when you've got no more in you, when you've done everything that you know what to do, there's a second wind. There's a second wind. If you push through, there's a second wind. There'll come that energy. There'll come that power. There'll come the God, uh, Holy Spirit movement that will take you beyond where you are. How do, how do we engage into that second wind? And I think that's where I want to come back to the prophetic word, hoist your sail, hoist your sail, and take the picture of that and the eagle waiting, waiting. So I want to combine those two things together and see how we can um, do that. Pastor Don tells me I shouldn't be working with paper notes, but the problem is Pastor Don doesn't know that I jump all over the place, so now I'm lost. But anyway, don't you worry about that. Can we position ourselves for the second wind? We can. Let me first of all talk about waiting. Isaiah 40 says, those who wait on the Lord, waiting on God. What is waiting? What is waiting? For us, for many of us, we hate waiting in doctor's things. We hate waiting in line. We hate waiting in traffic queues. We hate waiting. We don't actually like waiting. But when it's in the biblical framework, I wait, I hope, I put all my concentration and energy, not on myself, not on the situation, but in God. I am looking to God with eager anticipation for what he is going to do. The psalmist talks about it as a child is weaned and quieted, so I wait, so I wait. So here's a child that is content. Here's a child that doesn't want anything from its parent except to be held. There comes an aspect in our waiting that as we wait before God, it's just us and God. We, we open ourselves to being with him to hearing his voice, to opening to his heartbeat. Uh, I wait, my soul waits in God. And the psalmist that talks about the, the guys and the watchmen, yeah, my soul waits more than the watchman for the dawn. 
my soul waits for God. You know, there's times and seasons in our lives when we've got, we've got nowhere we can go. There's nothing we can do. There's, we, are, we are paralyzed in that sense. But as we wait, as we put our hope and our trust in God, something begins to transaction. Something begins to happen. In the waiting, something begins to be transformed. Waiting is actually usually about God preparing us for his next thing. It's about a brooding presence of God. I often kind of think of it that I, I went through a whole ex, uh, time and a season in my life when I explored this whole concept of waiting. So I'm only giving you just a little bit. But you think about the hen sitting on the egg. You can't see what's going on inside of that egg. But that hen sits and covers it and waits and waits. And waits. You think of the, you think of those uh, pigeon, uh, pigeons, not pigeons, penguins. You know, like happy feet. Um, going back there, but you know those those emperor penguins that huddle together with that precious egg balanced on their feet, so it doesn't get cold, and they wait through all that storm that cold. Why? They wait in hope and in expectation because they're carrying new life. There comes times in our lives that we are waiting and we are holding something before God because we're holding life in our hands. We're holding a promise in our hands. God's spoken a promise. And for that thing to be conceived and come to full life, we sit and we wait and we hold an expectation that God is doing something in that waiting moment. And, and, and then, it doesn't stop there, and then comes the boom. I mean, the hen doesn't wait in vain, does it? A chick comes. The emperor doesn't wait, the penguin doesn't wait in vain. The chick comes. So we're not waiting in vain. We're waiting in hope and eager anticipation for what God wants to do. How is that linked to the Holy Spirit? So I said to you, I went through a season in my life where I explored this whole thing about waiting. I'm really busy, really tired, really you know, busy for God. I was doing everything, everything, everything. And I remember a seasoned Christian came to me and they said, you know, Kathy, busyness is not always best. Just because there's a need doesn't necessitate that you have to fulfill it. And it really challenged me, and I thought, well, what do I do with this? How do I do with this? A missionary came to our church, and I just began to share about waiting on God, and I sat there, and I thought, mm, well, what's waiting? And then I'd, I'd read about it, and waiting is waiting. Waiting, waiting, waiting. You just wait, wait. Okay, so I went on a three-day fast, and up to that point of time, I could never fast past lunchtime. I mean, literally, physically, I would, I would have a physical reaction. I'd end up fainting, so I, I, couldn't, I couldn't go very long. And I said, okay, God, if you're really serious about this whole weight on you and engaging with you in the waiting, then you have to help me through this fast. And so I, I did the fast, and, I, and every time around lunchtime, I would, or you know, mealtime, I would go and either sit in my room or sit in my car, depending where I was, and just sit there quietly, silently, say, God, I'm waiting on you. You speak. Now, up until that point in time, I used to be around people who say, oh, don't you feel the presence of God? And I go, no. <laughs> did you hear him speak? I had a very prophetic friend. I mean, I'm sure that God just... And I'd say, how did you do that? And we were doing kids' church at that time together. And like, she'd, just, she'd pick up all sorts of stuff. And I'd go, how on earth? And I just I began to realize that God said to me, if you wait, you will know. 
So I let her to sell my soul. It says that I'm be still and know that I am God. So I, start, I, I just literally stilled my life, stilled me in those half-hour blocks of waiting. I'm, I'm a, I'm a go-do-it person, so that was a kind of a really challenge for me. But as I began to wait, and then that three-day fast was over, I can't say to you I had a boom, I did nothing like that, but what it did do was establish a regular time with God for me. I thought, man, I've just like paid the price for three days, I'm not going to let this go. So each morning I would get up, make a cup of coffee, and I'd sit and I'd wait before God. As I did that, over a period of time, I began to become very aware of God. I, and I can't describe it in any other way. If you like to say the eagle's wings thing started to, to kick in, I began to become aware of God's presence. I began to hear God. And if I was hearing something, I would pray that thing. And then the presence of God would increase. So God began to train me to hear and to grow in his presence. Those that wait on the Lord, as the disciples did, can see God move. So in our kids' church at the time, I was doing the intermediate kids and we had a, this, a great group of kids, and we, um, one Sunday morning, uh, we had the kids do their own church service, and it was just, we had about half a dozen kids, and we had a preacher, we had the communion person, all the kids were waiting, because some of them had brought morning tea, okay, so they were the fellowship group, and so we actually, we, you know, we just kind of did this kids thing. In the middle of the whole thing, when they, the kid that had done the preaching did a great job, by the way, and did the preaching, my friend who did it with me, she says, oh, God wants to speak. And she brought a prophetic word to these kids. And I'm going, okay, what do you, I, blah, I don't know what to do with that. Literally didn't know what to do with it. And so I went, okay, now we have morning tea. So we had morning tea. And then I realized afterwards, I said, God, I missed that. So I said, God, will you come again? Come a second time. Come a second time to this group. So then we began to position ourselves. We thought, you know, God wants to do something. Hoist the sail. Hoist the sail. There's times when we have to do something to get ready for what God wants to do. Hoist the sail. Get ready. So we created an opportunity about six weeks later where we brought all the children together and we called it a time to meet with God. And we set the whole program up. As we came into the evening, and we had called this about coming to the throne room of God with the kids, uh, we had some kids... Um, Part of our team were playing a song, and they were going zoom, zoom, zoom around the room, room, room. We're going to zoom, 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 and going to by and And they were like, you know, I'm Batman. I'm flying around the world in the zoom. And the kids were just like out of control. And I thought, well, there you go. That goes. That's the end of Holy Spirit. There ain't no Holy Spirit going to come in there. And then, and then, and then, the, then they changed the song to this other song, and suddenly the Holy Spirit turned up. And I knew why because I'd learned to wait on God and recognize his presence when it came. We saw an outbreak of the Holy Spirit amongst the children, and it was greater than the first time because it wasn't just the 11 and 12-year-olds. We brought the 9 and 10 and 8-year-olds in. And so all of those children, I mean, they were out on the ground with the Holy Spirit. They were so full of God. I mean, the next morning, we, we just gathered them together, and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit began to flow. And, and for me, for me, it began to flow in my life as well. So more Holy Spirit in your life? Can I just suggest that part of that, a part of that second one is learn to wait. Position yourself. I went sailing in the Bay of Islands. 
I'm going to sound like I'm a sailor, I'm not. It's my one and only time I went sailing in the Bay of Islands with friends, okay? And we went with them, and uh, half of the crew went back with uh, bigger boats to sail them back down to Auckland, and the smaller boat um, had to go back to Kirikiri Inlet where it had been put into the water and where the trailer was. And so I was with that boat because my car was in Paihia. So as we were sailing across, it was, we were tacking against the wind. It was really hard work. And my friend Don said, oh, blow this for a joke. And he sat back and he reset the sails and then he, he, he positioned the boat and he was scanning. Now, to me, it would just look like a mess. Like I, I couldn't read nothing. But he, being more seasoned sailor than me, who was nothing, he, like, he scanned it and he went, there it comes. And he moved the boat really quickly. We hit that wind. Man, we flew across to the Kiri Kiri and it was the most exhilarating ride out because he had changed the sails, repositioned the boat, and he watched and he waited for that wind to blow. There comes a time when we need to reposition ourselves. We need to watch and see what God is doing. The eagle sits on its ear. The eagle has a very high eyesight. It sees, it watches, and it waits. And when it catches it, it's gone. It had already seen that salmon from way, way down, from way up high. Why? Because it was sitting, watching, and scanning, and being prepared. Are you watching? Are you scanning? God is coming. God is blowing. Can you see it? If you go into your workplace, what is God doing in your workplace? If you've been praying for it, what is God doing? Watch, watch, watch. Position yourself. And when you see it, go after it. Go after it. If somebody answers a one question, a God question, that's God. Go for it. Go for it. Be the eagle. Boom. Get in there, pick it up, fly on eagle's wings. What is God doing in your midst? One of the reasons why I've been pulled into the corporate area right now is that all our services and things were um, kind of needed a revamp. So I'm on the last revamp, which is the database right now. But my whole thrust with that is that I have heard the word to Church Unlimited. There's a new wave coming. There's a momentum coming. There's a multiplication coming. There's a revival coming. And as I'm putting those systems in the place, I'm saying, are these robust enough to handle what God wants to do? I'm positioning stuff. I can't see it yet. But it's coming. It's coming. I want to make sure that we've got those systems in place to handle what God wants to do. What are you doing? How are you positioning yourself? Do you see that God has positioned you exactly where you are? Some of you might need to think about repositioning yourself. You know, it intrigued me as I was talking with Pastor Don and, and Pastor Penny, and I asked them, How did you come to Whangarei? And, and they, they shared with me their story, how they came here. And uh, they said that, you know, they were beginning to sense that God wanted to call them into working in the church, not working in the marketplace. And so they repositioned themselves. They put their house into order. They did really practical things because they didn't know when God was going to call them. But they were ready. They were ready. So that when he called, they were ready, ready to go. So it's like the hoist the sails. There's a second wind. There's a second wind. What do you do to hoist you position yourself? You know, I always think the saddest thing is if for a runner or for anybody is that you are just on the point of breakthrough and you pull out. You're just on the point and you pull out. You know, just go one more time. Go in again. Go one more time. You just don't know when that breakthrough, that boom is going to happen, when that eagle wind is going to kick in. 
So I want to say to you, if, if you're weary, remember the promise of God is that he gives grace, he gives strength to the weary. Why to go and to wait for the boom that comes? Because he does come and come. You know yourself, there's times when you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and then suddenly it changes. Suddenly it happens. I was just sharing, I've had my, one of my ushers, um, one of my head ushers, uh, is, um, he, he just shared this amazing testimony. And they said that um, over the last three years they've been seeking to adopt a child. And just, you know, how it goes, the red tape, and just everything, nothing, nothing, nothing. And the last season of fasting that we had as a Church Unlimited combined body, they made it their target in fasting and prayer and fasting, and they prayed over the situation. And uh, today, they're picking up a five-month-old baby um, from Christchurch, and like, they just know, boom, there was a boom, you know? Go, 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 go. And they had virtually given up, actually, because the wife had gone and got herself another job, and so I guess they're kind of having to reposition themselves again. But you know, it, it doesn't matter where we are. Where we are, there's a second wind, you know, there's eager winds. There's the wind and the grace of the Holy Spirit. I want to suggest to you that here in Whangarei, there is a second wind that's coming that's unique to Whangarei. Unique to Whangarei. You know, one of the words I was t- telling Pastor Don is that um, some years ago we had a word about Church Unlimited that it would unblock wells, restore wells, and plant wells. Wells are often a picture of churches that are also pictures of revival. We talk about wells of revival. And what is very intriguing to me is that as God has been blowing on New Zealand and beyond, our things have been changing. And Pastor Tate was down in Invercargill, and he had this amazing um, prayer meeting down there where all 11 out of the 15 out of the 30 churches all came together and they packed this place out. And he said it was an incredible revival. I was talking to somebody a week afterwards and they said, and I was telling them what happened. And they said to me, Oh, did you know that that whole region, the brethren, had an amazing revival? And there's all around that area. So there, you know, I thought, Oh my gosh, that's unblocking wells of revival. That's unblocking what has been deposited by God into that region. That's why there's an openness for it. And I believe that God is is stirring things up. Uh, There's all across in those regions. And I know that God has sometimes taken me to places. And I said, you know, it's time to unblock the well in this place. Now, I know that Whangarei, this church, began out of a well of revival. And you've seen wells of revival. You've seen revivals in this place. Some of you have seen them. Some of you haven't seen them. But I just believe there's a second wind coming. There's a second wind that this well will unblock and it will flow and it's going to impact and affect this region and the regions beyond because that's the and beyond of, of Church Unlimited. So I want to pray that God unblocks this well. I want to pray, I want to pray prophetically as we're um, going out on a limb here. But, you know, sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we have to do that. You know, sometimes we have to do it and wait in faith and expectation and that it happens. You know, God said to Moses, stretch out your rod when he came to the Red Sea. You know, how long did he stretch that out? He stretched it out all night and the wind began to blow. And the wind began to blow. What if he had, oh, I'm I'm over that. Slow. We might not have finished it. We might not have seen that whole miracle. You know, sometimes we have to move ourselves, position ourselves, stretch out in faith, and hold the stance. That's waiting. That's waiting. That's like the eagle. We're waiting. We're watching. We're seeing what God is going to do, and we're going to go with it. So I just really want to encourage you. 
I know some of you have been waiting for promises of God. I want to say to you, go again. Go again. There's a second win. There's a second win. It's going to boom. It's going to boom. Here is a church. I know that you have been like us, seeking God for a move of God. Oh, we need a move. Oh, man, we need a move. We need a move in our schools. We need a move in our communities. We need a move that we we're saying to suicide and anxiety, enough. Enough. We need a move. Because we know that we have the answer, but we need the power. We need to rise on eagles' wings. We need to go further and go harder and faster than anything that we've ever seen before. We need a move. We need God to move in us. And it begins with us. I want to encourage you, if you're weary, wait on God. Wait on God. Seek Him. He will come. He comes and he works for those who wait on him. I think, I think I have delivered what I wanted to deliver. I'm just checking, all right? Yeah. I think, I think. Let's pray. Let's just pray right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, as we just, as a people right here this morning, Father, like the sailboat, Lord, we are hoisting the sail. Lord, we are positioning ourselves this morning. Lord, we are saying and we're putting up our hands, God, will you come? Will you fill our sails? Will you bring a fresh wind of the Spirit of God? Father, will you start it in me, me, Will you start it in us, Lord God, individually? Will you blow a fresh wind of your spirit into us? May we catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Father, for those things that we've seen for such a long time, hopes and dreams and prayers, Lord, I pray right now, God, there will come a wind. There will come a shift, Father. We will position ourselves, oh God. Father, I pray for this church. Lord, let it position itself. Lord, that there comes a blast of the wind of the Spirit that's going to lift the sails. Father, we thank you, Lord. We declare right now into the wells of revival that have been sunk into Whangarei. Lord, that those wells will flow again. Lord, a second time, greater this time than any previous time. Lord, we need a move. We need a move of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're saying, start it with me. Started with this church, started with the churches of Whangarei. God, may it be a move that is New Zealand and beyond. Father, that is such a worldwide move. God, do it again. Do it again, Lord, and start it right here in your mighty name. We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord.